Broadcasting live from the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. Armstrong and Getty. And now, here's Armstrong and Getty. Studio C. Seizing your. We're in a dimly lit room, deep within the bowels of the Armstrong and Getty Communications compound on Little Wednesday. That's what I call Tuesday. And we're under the tutelage of our general manager. Chinese Laboratories. Chinese Laboratories. Why is that our general manager today? Well, they must be the boss because they can kill millions of people with impunity, and then China can cover it up, obviously. And never forget, the social media will ban you saying you believe that's happening until now when virtually everybody is saying it. Yeah, we'll get into that more later. The evidence piling up. Well, it's been around for a while, but... I hope Mark Zuckerberg doesn't ban us for saying that. Don't take down our page, Mark, for saying what is plainly true. Crank up that music, Michael. Big finish. Here we go. Horn section. Trombones, you're a little off. Let's take it again from the top. One year anniversary of the death of George Floyd, which sparked protests and riots across the country and across the world. Mostly peaceful protests. Um, was that Mostly a year ago? Mostly peaceful riots. Was that a year ago or ten years ago? Man. Ooh. Between that and the vid, yikes. Annus horribilis. The horrible year. Of course, you know, we're kind of early in 2021. Yeah, no doubt. I just heard 80% of Japanese don't want the Summer Olympics to happen in their country. The Summer Olympics. Just a cabal of major business leaders came out and said, cancel it. No, no. They're getting hit with the worst of the COVID for them right now. They got virtually nobody vaccinated. So they, the Olympics could happen if they happen, like right when they're at the peak of it being the worst, be like if it was, you know... Last summer in the United States, we'd had the Olympics in Los Angeles. Yeah, yeah. I don't know well, how bad. How bad is it over there right now? I haven't haven't really heard. I know it's growing, uh, growing. But we know how this tends to work. Places. Uh, yeah, yeah. Goes kerblooey. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. So you got the two of them. You got the Japanese Olympics. That there's a decent chance I still think they're going to be canceled. And then the. Winter Olympics in China right after the first of the year, which no decent country can attend for political reasons. Well, uh, the the slaves, the concentration camps, but they just killed millions of people with their lab accident that they covered up. They'd come clean. Well, that's a little different, maybe. Yeah, I hope the world... Uh, uh, um handles that story the way they should. I read a good article in the National Review yesterday, what if uh, it was a human mistake, and it almost certainly was, I think. That would be the biggest man-made disaster in world history by far. By far. <laughs> Number two is way down the list. Yeah. The man-made yeah, the disaster. Game of Thrones finale. <laughs> That's number two. Chernobyl's actually the number two man-made disaster in world history, and it's not even close to the $26 trillion cost so far to the world of the oh, coronavirus. Man. A billion and a half kids that didn't go to school, and then the millions of deaths. 
Well, deaths uh, directly and indirectly. The cancer deaths, the failure to screen, the heart disease, the rest of it, the suicides. I mean, it's it's a crime of enormous proportions. And if you can lay the worst man-made disaster in world history at the foot of uh, the Chinese government for covering it up rather than letting the world jump on it right away and try to stop it, they should right. they should get dinged pretty hard for that, you'd think. With the complicity of the WHO... Our health authorities and big tech do not forget that their capacity for they're just too big and too powerful. And so literally Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and all those uh, social Google, they all were complicit in the Chinese cover up because they trusted the WHO statement. When, when was it? March or February of last year? Far too early for anybody to say anything with any authority. And then the best thing that happened to the Chinese was Trump said it came from China. So then everybody really had to go to the corners. No, nope, no way it came out of China, out of that lab, if Trump says so. No, 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 no that, that wet market. Anyway, uh, more on all those stories. Yeah, the- you know, and listen, it was, Tucker was weird last night. He was like conflating accident and intention and manipulating the virus with gene splicing and the rest of it. I, I turned it off. But anyway, uh, what, ha- what is almost certainly the truth is that at one of the two big labs in China, some lab workers got exposed to the enhanced virus that they were studying, and they brought it home. And they got sick, their friends and family got sick, and then it spread from there. It, it, it seems like an accident. Although I suppose it could have been deliberate, but that would be an odd thing to do. Right. Yeah. Started in your own country. Yeah. Who who launches the the deadliest virus you've created from your own country? Nobody. Yeah. But everything, absolutely everything about the Chinese response screams that that's what happened. Um, it's teamwork that makes the dream work. And that's why we introduce everybody on the squad. There he is wearing a sky blue t-shirt. He is our technical director, Michelangelo. Hi this morning, Michael. I'm doing good. I learned a shopping tip the hard way. Life uh, hack. Life hack. I forget that we, we, my wife and I bought, we bought kind of a high ticket item for our home. Uh, we needed a new sofa, but I, so we got it sitting and, on milk crates. Were you? Yeah, and it, it was hurting backs and yeah, stuff exactly. like that. But I found it a thousand dollars cheaper, basically, um, with using a promo code. Uh, there's coupons you can get online, which I forgot about. And so you, you type in, you know, this promo offer or whatever. Mm-hmm. You type in a special offer code. Wow, and oh, I, grand. Yeah, that's a good saving. Yes, I know. And so I got to uh, figure out what I'm because I haven't had it delivered yet. No. So if I could cancel the order and then order oh, so it again online, you found out this deal oh, after you had purchased gotcha. it. Yes, correct. Yeah. Okay. Should, you should be able to return it or or say I'm going to return it if you don't honor yeah, it. You should be able to. But yeah, I don't. Who knows? Here's the problem: is that the delivery is already set for a certain date, but mm-hmm. it might get pushed back if I reorder it or something like that. And the wife is like, well, I know we'll save $1,000, but I, my back is killing me. And it's, I'm thinking, okay, well, it's 10 days. So I got a, 10 right. days worth of pain worth $1,000. Get her so. an $80 massage. That's what I'm and thinking. And save the money on the sofa. <laughs> that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. So that's where I'm at. There the, you go. The joys of married life, I guess. Um, uh, what kind of couch do you get? Cloth, leather? Uh, I think we're getting the leather. There yeah. You go. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The feel of leather. <laughs> I just like that it doesn't stain, honestly. As an idiot, it's it's the right fabric for me. Well, we had a bad couch. We didn't spend enough, and it went bad very quickly. So Yeah, yeah. Cheap furniture is not cheap. No. Nope. Because you will end up getting rid of it. Yep, absolutely. 
There is Positive Sean, whose smile lights up the room. How are you, Sean? Doing quite well, uh, preparing to get on an airplane for the first time, and I don't even remember how long. Uh, coming up here later on later on this week, but uh, Sean is flying to Wuhan to independently investigate <laughs> the Chinese lab accident. Yeah, I started a Substack doing some of my own uh, independent journalism. I think it'll it'll really Good take man. off. Um, uh, but I am concerned that the FAA has already reported two and a half thousand. Uh, they've gotten two point five thousand reports of unruly flyers this year. People just uh, the the year inside. I think people just forgot how to act right. And uh, you, you get inside somebody or around somebody, you bump into somebody, all of a sudden, dogs just start flying, I guess. I don't, I don't know what's going on. Plane but. fight! Plane fight! <laughs> uh, I, my understanding is the vast majority of those incidents are over masks. People arguing, fighting about wearing, not wearing masks, etc. And we're driving for Good our... Good use uh, of your time, everyone. We're all off at the end of this week, and we're, we're driving 13 hours. And um, I, I prefer driving to flying any day of the week. And uh, my son... Youngest son with his special needs definitely does too. So that's my excuse. If if, if he's on board, then I'm on board, and we have to uh, drive. Which I love. Speaking for myself, I enjoy being pressed up against strangers for hours. But so we're gonna load, their own. We're going to load up the SUV with snacks and um, you know uh, what's the, the switches and all the games that go with the switch. We'll have enough Zelda and Minecraft <sighs> to get us there. Being a kid now, traveling in a car long distance is just they tough. they don't know the the, no. the simple joys of I Spy. In a moving vehicle, by the way, so you're almost always just picking something inside the car. Or just sitting <laughs> right. there staring out the window, which is probably really good for your brain. Um, yeah, that's what you do, you assist kids. Look at the scenery. Look, watch <laughs> it watch it go by. I happen to know what route you're taking, and there isn't any for about three and a half hours. But nonetheless, it's a life lesson. Uh, I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty on this. It is Tuesday, May 25th, the year 2021, where Armstrong and Getty, and we approve of this program. Let's begin officially now. According to FCC rules and regulations, the show begins at Mark. No, I'm not convinced uh, about that. I think that we should continue to investigate what went on in China until we find out, to the best of our ability, exactly what happened. I'm glad that Dr. Fauci's on board with that. Hopefully we'll be pressing and making it obvious to the world that not only did the Chinese lie, but the WHO lied, the World Health Organization. I guess the attempt to reform that, I don't know if I agree that that's the way to handle it, as opposed to pull out and just say, it's a corrupt Chinese organization, so we're not going to be part of it. We're starting a new one without the commies. I just said that nobody's going to do that. Nobody's going to stand up to China in a real way because of all the money involved. Apparently. Uh, how's mailbag look? Which is next? It's uh, it's 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 like a, a newborn colt, Jack. It's a little a shaky. Colt. It's 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 wobbling. It's well, it's it's gaining strength though. It's like a newborn colt. Maybe maybe hit us with a great email now. Mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. Keep them short. It's really interesting. Uh, I've got a Pluto update for you, which I know you were waiting for. P- the planet or the cartoon dog. Um, the planet. Uh, one of the worst people in the world died over the weekend, so that's good news. Uh, we can bring up speed on that. Oh, just a bunch of stuff we'll get to. Oh, yeah. Uh, taking your text also at 415-295-KFTC all the way. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Violent crime is up shocking numbers across the country. 
and according to liberal Ezra Klein of the New York Times, in the New York Times, uh, might bring a Trump or a Trump-like character back to office if people decide, hey, we just need law and order. But more on that coming up. Also, I got some interesting texts on the stages of grief, which we talked about yesterday, which is probably worth visiting again, because everybody has grief at some point in their lives. Mm -hmm. Um, And a bunch of other stuff we can get to that's not so damned serious, I suppose. Mailbag. Oh, no. Wait. Sorry. Stop. Idiot. It's time for the freedom-loving quote of the day. Hey, I hear a fife and a drum. Is that one fife or multiple fives? That's a fife. Hmm. Not more than one. Not several fives. Two fives? <laughs> Would that be fives? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, da 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 da. How about a freedom-loving quote of the day from Nelson Mandela? To be free is not merely to cast off one's chains, but to live in a way that respects and enhances the freedom of others. Hmm. You mean I got obligations? That's right. Uh, Doesn't sound very freeing. Yeah. What? What is? Mailbag. You're free. Here's some things you have to do. What is that? No, mean? there's no whining about the freedom loving quote of the day. That's not part of it. You're just supposed to say, oh, ooh, and appreciate the wisdom. <laughs> oh, so many different topics. So interesting. Um, why didn't SNL get pushed back on the, uh, the jokes Colin Jost and Michael Che wrote for each other that made each other look racist or whatever? Uh, ben writes, well, they don't get pushback because obviously they're on the left side of politics and the left side of mainstream media. We all know the same rules don't apply to people on the left. And I think, Ben, you have, it's a simple truth. Remember, so much of the outrage is not outrage. It's a weapon. They, they understand there's somebody I would like to hurt. There's somebody I would like to take down. And if, if you grant them some fake outrage, they'll use it as a weapon. But when somebody on their own side does exactly the same thing, they're not going to wield the weapon. And there's plenty of lefties that have been taken down by cancel culture, though. So, um... Yeah, depending. The Me Too stuff, yeah. But but making, like, inappropriate jokes? I don't know. Let's see. Aaron writes, marathons are dumb. We were talking about marathons. No, I got some good information on the... Uh, the barefooted monks in their marathons and things you learn by running a marathon every day in sandals. <laughs> Take a bus. Mm. That's one thing I learned. Yeah, so, you learn the value of bicycles. Might be some wisdom uh, we can all uh, take in. But he says, uh, we had a VP who loved to run marathons, and these three senior managers with their heads so far up as Keister, they joined in his misadventure for brownie <laughs> points, and they all ended up with knee surgeries. Ah, the rat race. Squeak, squeak. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's see. Been meaning to email the show for 25 years now. Wow, just got around to it. Right, says. Sounds like me. Uh, longtime listener Hubby and I caught the show on the way to fishing uh, years ago. Hard to fish after laughing so much. Moved to Washington State, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, oh, that reminds me. Um, and it's really, it's a, it's a lovely note about all sorts of things we've discussed on the show, including uh, mental illness, uh, the autism spectrum, OCD, all sorts of stuff, and... Um, uh, and, and thank you for the note there, S. Uh, da, 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 da. Uh, yeah, thanks. Uh, which reminds me, I meant to say we have received, not surprisingly, about a zillion emails, Jack, about your current uh, struggles. And, uh, and they are uh, almost uniformly beautiful and humbling in that y'all care so much. And I will, I will pass them on, uh, to Jack. Um, there was one glowing, not glowing, glaring exception. 
So my emails are getting through. (laughs) It was idiotic to the point of being amazing. Well, that was probably a troll, right? No, no, no. I don't think so. No, it wasn't trolling. It was just idiotic. It was, it was, I I would love to read it to y'all. I truly would. But that person absolutely should not be encouraged. So strange. Moving along. My wife pointed out to me why some women in particular might be disinclined to give up masking. As inconvenient as it is to wear a mask, it's considerably less convenient to spend 15 minutes putting on, brushing up your makeup, just Mm. to spend 10 minutes walking the dog or whatnot. Um, I just, I'm married to a woman who would never do that, so it's hard for me to relate to, but... Um, and I also read uh, somebody saying they found masking to be kind of a social relief. People can't see their faces uh, or, or something. And I just I, I didn't read the article. I but. have had recent experiences of people that I've known for months seeing them without their mask for the first time. And it's weird for your brain because your brain had kind of filled in an assumption of what they looked like. Hmm. And they look completely different. And it's weird. You're the person I've been talking to you for months like I, I don't have no idea what my my son's teacher looks like. I've met with, I see her almost every day when I pick Sam up from school. I've had parent teacher conferences with her. I have no idea what she looks like hmm. until I see her without a mask. And then maybe the last segment of the hour, I want to squeeze this one in. It's uh, gender confusion in young girls. Really intriguing email as uh, we were discussing the transgender industry yesterday and how they put you on a conveyor belt and whisk you along if you express any doubt about your gender. Violent crime is going to bring certain sorts of candidates. Stay tuned. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. A person with a large wooden stick attacks a homeless man right next to Westminster Avenue Elementary School in Venice. Seconds later, two more people join in the beating, slugging the homeless man again and again. Did school kids see that? Absolutely. Francesca is a Westminster Elementary parent who shot that video on her phone. She says this encampment appeared near the school when it was closed because of the pandemic. But the tents are still there and the kids are now back on campus. What do you see in front of this school on a daily basis? People that are defecating, urinating, out here shooting up, violence, people fighting. Awesome, right next to the school. Well, that's Right fantastic. in front of the kids, too. The kids see all of it. Wow, that's just fantastic. I've seen so many videos of people doing abhorrent things in L.A. in particular, uh, in the bum and junkie camps. I don't even watch them anymore. But, yeah, that's a heck of a story. Uh, Seattle dealing with a similar situation. A bunch of bum camps uh, sprung up around schools because they were empty during the COVID. Needlessly, by the way, never forget that, please. Uh, at least after certainly, you know, June, everybody knew what we needed to know about it. Um, but so now all the do-gooders who refuse to get rid of a bum camp are saying, no, you have to leave them there. You can't. Where are these people supposed to go? Uh, much more on that to come. Let's away go ahead with, from a school. Yeah, yeah, not here. Uh, give me a sixty-two, Sean. 
Homeless encampments appeared during the coronavirus shutdown outside schools and parks across town. At Broadway Elementary on the west side, tents have been pitched right up against the building. There have been encampments outside schools in South L.A., in Playa Vista, and next to numerous parks that are popular with kids, like Yucca Park Youth Soccer Field, oh my God. where the I-Team witnessed this man brandishing a knife and threatening another man. I can't go very far down that road mentally or I get too angry and depressed over the situation, having lived it so many times where I live. You're freaking tax money going to pay for these beautiful parks and you can't take your kid there because our we, we think it's a compassionate thing to let the homeless have the park as opposed to the kids. Yep. Yep. Two more notes from L.A. and it could it's going to be your town next. If you follow the same policies... As the West Coast Blue Cities, it will be your town next. But Echo Park Lake uh, finally reopened in L.A. after they removed 35.7 tons of solid waste. Took $600,000 worth of cleaning, clearing, and repairs, including replacing playground surfacing, upgrading rest- restrooms, better lighting, uh, f- fixing everything that had been broken, hauling away all the needles and the human excrement. And that's a beautiful park paid for by tax dollars that got ruined. And then this from CBS LA. It's a little uh, written piece from Venice, uh, uh, section LA again. Michael Wood, who's been living in a tent on Venice Beach since October, said he's frustrated that officers with the LAPD were continuing to walk through the encampment and ticket people found inside. You're writing tickets but telling all of us that we can't be here and that we have to go somewhere else. Well, where do you want us to go? Michael, that's up to you. Go anywhere you want. You're not allowed to sleep there. You're not allowed to camp there. Where do you want us to go? You're a human being. You're a grown man. Figure it out. You certainly Pick somewhere. Get a job. You certainly don't get to claim some of the most valuable, beautiful property in the entire world as your own because your life has gone awry for reasons uh, due to you or others. But in most cases, it's due to you, as studies have shown most of these people are drug addicts. Now, if this guy is mentally ill and needs help, all right, that's a different situation. But listen to the attitude. Seems like they got a lot of people that are employed to come out here and tackle a problem, ask people if they want housing. But then by the time you get on the list, it's just like a bunch of ongoing circles. Yeah, that free housing is inconvenient as hell. Says Peggy Lee Kennedy, a member of the something the Venice Justice Committee. Oh, I'm sure I'd have plenty to discuss with these folks. You cannot just remove people from an area because somebody says it doesn't look good. You can't. Sure, you can. Of course, you can. As I said in a city council meeting in my burg a couple of years ago, when homelessness was on the rise, uh, at what point do we prioritize taxpayers over the people that are are, are taking? Do we at any point decide that the people paying for all this stuff have a say or not? No, no. Where do you want me to go? He says. Unbelievable. So you got that homeless situation, which is uh, everything we've talked about. And then just crime on the rise general, violent crime on the rise general across the nation. Um, Reading from the New York Times, violent crime is spiking. Do liberals have an answer from liberal Ezra Klein? Early estimates find that in 2020, homicides in the United States increased somewhere between 25 and 40 percent. It's the biggest one-year spike since they started keeping statistics. 
Violent crime has never gone up this much in a year as long as they've been keeping numbers. That is something. And early estimates indicate that the increase has carried over into 2021 and uh, and growing on its uh, you know amazing 2020 numbers. Violent crime is a crisis on two levels. First and foremost, the victims, of course. You have to throw that out there, obviously. But it is a political crisis. Violent crime will lead to different politics, Ezra Klein, Ezra Klein says in the New York Times, and says this. Do liberals have an answer to violent crime? And if so, what is it? Making the point that if you Freeing more people from the jails. That's the answer. Um, if you don't... Well, I'll just read what he wrote. That'd be the smart thing to do. Um, if these numbers keep rising, they could end any chance that we have of building a new approach to safety and possibly carry Donald Trump or someone like him back into the presidency in 2024. I guarantee you, a lot of people are going to win races across this country by being uh, tough-on-crime candidates. Guaranteed. Absolutely. Just this week, Philadelphia's progressive district attorney, Larry Krasner, Fended off a primary challenge barely, but the politics are changing fast. Democratic primary voters in New York City say crime and violence is the second most important problem facing the city. Behind the only thing ahead of it is the coronavirus, and that'll be gone soon. And then, and then crime will be the number one issue in New York. It's ahead of affordable housing, racial injustice, a lot of the big, you know, liberal stuff that people care about. Nope. Crime is number one in New York as soon as Corona's gone. Just a few, few weeks ago, Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms of Atlanta, who's gotten a lot of attention, was facing political challenges, attacking her for being soft on crime, and she announced she would not seek re-election. The politics of this will change and change fast. Agreed. How could it not? We were citing some of the statistics the other day. Crime up 40, 50, 60%. In fact, is that the topic of Clip 60? I don't remember. Does anybody remember? But the point is, people are not going to put up with that. And you you will go from being a progressive to build schools, not jails. We've criminalized people. that We have a racial, racist system. Blah, blah. They'll go from that to lock them up in about a week as soon as they or people they love are victimized. Absolutely. You get your car broken into, or worse yet, you know, a violence or a threat of violence, and all of a sudden your politics change fast. You might be... Pro-choice and, uh, you know, everybody should speak Spanish. I don't know. Pick your favorite liberal cause. <laughs> but you get whacked on the head and somebody steals your stuff or, or threatens your kid. All of a sudden, you're going for the hard ass. Yeah. Yeah. I have a buddy who is in New York three to four times uh, per year on business, uh, often for a week at a time. And he said it is stunning how quickly it has become significantly more dangerous to walk the streets in New York. Wow. Which is amazing. And he is a very reasonable person and worldly wise, not prone to, you know, he saw a scary guy and ran back to the hotel. Uh, he says the, the difference is striking. And that's, you know, one example of many. Uh, what, what's the statistic? Portland shootings are up 61%. It was a bloodbath in Chicago over the weekend. And New York. There were, I think, nine dead and 38 other people shot. So you got 40 to 50 people shot. How do 40 to 50 people get shot in Chicago in a weekend? What's going on? Well, part of what's going on is a lot more of the career criminals who are locked up are back on the street. The cops have been, you know, they're retreating to the station houses and afraid to uh, get involved in the communities. And and some of that is uh, legitimate. Some of it's probably not. 
but uh, it's a mess. Those numbers will shift fast as crime continues to rise, so we'll be keeping our eye on that story. Next hour, we're going to get into the uh, Wuhan lab theory, which all of a sudden has become the obvious theory of what everybody did. But how, how did that, the Washington Post fact checker, Glenn Kessler, who we like, a uh, nice guy, uh, it talks about how it suddenly changed. Well, suddenly changed for you. I don't think it suddenly changed for some of us. Uh, no. Um, we'll talk about that next hour. Uh, uh, but it continues to get attention, the 60 Minutes piece on the trans community from Sunday night. Indeed. We got a compelling email on the topic, a little more information on that subject coming up in seconds. Don't go away. It greatly concerns me where the field has been going. I feel like what is happening is unethical and irresponsible um, in some places. Laura Edwards-Leeper was the first psychologist at the first major youth gender clinic in the U.S. at Boston Children's Hospital. She says she has helped hundreds of teens and young adults transition successfully after a comprehensive assessment. Do you have conversations with your colleagues about this whole area of accepting what young people are saying too readily? Yes, everyone is very scared to speak up because we're afraid of not being seen as being affirming or being supportive of these young people or doing something to hurt the trans community. But even some of the providers are trans themselves and share these concerns. That's from 60 Minutes Sunday night. Yeah, yeah. We'll bring that up for a couple of reasons. First of all, we got this email from uh, Al Anonymous. He says, I just finished listening to your segment about young girls and their confusion with their gender, transgender thing. And actually, the one of the focuses, one of the foci of the stories of the story on 60 Minutes was all the people who regret it, who, who get various uh, hormone injections or the surgeries or whatever and realize, wait a minute. No, I'm a dude. I was just an unhappy dude. And mm. now I'm a, unhappy to the point of being suicidal dude who doesn't have my parts anymore. Well, that's why Glad is slamming 60 Minutes for their shameful story on transgender youth. Yeah, that's right. If you so much as tap the brakes and say, hey, we need to be careful because this is a serious thing, that makes you a hater. That makes you a transphobe. Glad questioned the timing of the piece, noting that 30 states have now introduced bills targeting the trans community. Well, you you could use the word targeting the trans community because it's literally true, but they're targeting the trans community because they're afraid way too many young people are getting uh, all kinds of changes to their bodies done without thinking this through. And we uh, mentioned the, the book Irreversible Damage by Abigail Schreier, um, in which she points out that until a few years ago, gender dysphoria was vanishingly rare, typically found in less than 0.01% of the population, right. emerged in early childhood, afflicted males almost exclusively, and almost always took care of itself. I did not know it affect, uh, It was a male thing almost exclusively. That's mm-hmm. interesting. But today, whole groups of female friends in colleges, high schools, even middle schools across the country are coming out as transgender. These are girls who had never experienced any discomfort in their biological sex until they heard a coming out story from a speaker at a school assembly or discovered the Internet community of trans influencers, etc. Cetera, et cetera. We got this note from Al. Uh, my daughter is 11, and in her group of friends, she's considered the oddball. 
Why? She's a girl who identifies as a girl, and she likes boys. That makes her weird in her 11-year-old friend group. 11-year-olds? In this group of five girls, two think they want to be trans, and all of them except my daughter are pansexual or bisexual. Boy, this subject has not come up. My son's 11. It's, I'm pretty sure they're not talking about any of this stuff at all. I suppose it depends on the crowd you run with. Well, yeah, that's part of it. And the other point of it, uh, and the point of Abigail Schreier's book, is it's become a craze among young women, and there are clusters of it. It's almost like a suicide cluster. And if you know anything about the psychology of adolescent girls especially, they are incredibly prone to cluster behavior, Um, sense of belonging, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, He points out, I don't live in some liberal enclave. He says where he lives. I'm 40, and as a 10-year-old in the Bay Area, I don't ever remember hearing a single boy or girl questioning whether they were actually a boy or a girl. We had no idea what it meant to be pansexual. Even now, I had to duck, duck, go it. I never in my life thought I'd have to worry about my daughter being accepted because she's a girl who likes boys. Wild. Yeah, that is wild. It is. It has become a craze. It's a... It's a way to show you're progressive and virtuous and the rest of it. And you get enormous support. I saw it when my oldest daughter was going to school. She gained, she joined some sort of gay straight alliance. And if somebody turned out to be gay, it was not, oh, okay. It was a cause for celebration. It was a great thing. It was an exciting thing. And I just, I think again, again, don't hate on anybody. But tap the brakes. Got a Bitcoin story. Got to have a Bitcoin story every day, right? Absolutely. I think it's a rule now. I didn't know about the infamous Bitcoin pizza guy. Oh, yeah. He's a big deal. Yeah. So he got uh, paid in Bitcoins at one time. They were 10,000 Bitcoins worth $41. And this was back in 2010. He uh, spent the Bitcoin on travel. Um, if he had held on to that Bitcoin, it would be worth $365 million. Hope you enjoyed your trip. Wow. Holy crap. He said he has no regrets. Well, okay, maybe that helps you get through the day. I'm saying you have no regrets. I mean, it, it, it doesn't hurt to say, you know, I wish I'd held on to it. Obviously, it would have changed my life. Maybe I could and have spent half on travel. <laughs> no. Hung on to a tenth of it, yeah. which would have yielded me $36 million. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's right. If you'd have had, uh, held on to 10% of it, you'd have insane wealth. Of course, what's the alternative? He hangs on to those regrets, and it makes him completely insane no. and ruins his life. No, let no, it no, go. No, 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 no. Let it go. You don't need to let go that go. far. But uh, to, to claim, no, I don't regret it at all. Well, yeah, obviously, if I could do it over again, I would do it differently. <laughs> I don't think there's anything wrong with saying that. Uh, uh, which kind of gets us into the whole stages of grief thing. Uh, which we got on yesterday, which is a damned interesting topic because everybody grieves at some point, you know, and there's different levels of it. I've had examples of people grieving for a pet that passed or somebody who had their house burned down from wildfire, obviously deaths in the family and that sort of stuff. Mine was around divorce. Um, uh, but here's a therapist saying, um, I have doubted the Kubler-Ross model of grief Several times, but it seems to ring true for patients again and again. That was your argument yesterday. So a lot of science says that the stages of grief, anger, depression, bargaining, whatever it is, uh, is eating one of them because I uh, ate an entire pie. So that was one of them. But oh the, the, 
uh, a lot of studies show that that, that that that's not real and not helpful for for grief or has never been proven in a lab setting. But as Joe pointed out, if everybody hears those and thinks, yeah, that makes sense to me, and it becomes a worldwide phenomenon as it has for a half a century, there's got to be something to it. Well, and Dr. Kubler-Ross, as you pointed out yesterday, said it's been misinterpreted. People, it's not in that order, and it's not one at a time. And Right, we got this. So. Divorce, I'm sorry you're going through that. I went through my divorce last year during the pandemic. The stages of grief are 100% accurate. The pain I felt, worst pain in my life, next to losing my father as a teenager. Honestly, it's beyond painful. I pray for you and your family that it's a fairly easy process, but the stages of grief made sense to me. Well, if they make sense to you, then they make sense to you, and I think they make sense to me. So, okay, scientists who say they aren't real, I think human beings are saying they are real. Yeah, and, and we, I think we agreed yesterday that it's not stages, and Dr. Uh, Kubler-Ross Stages uh, is the wrong out. word. Yeah, the aspects of grief. The, uh, the, yeah. yeah, and you bounce in and out of them. They're like whack-a-mole. Mm. You get the, uh, the, the denial beat back down, but then the bargaining comes back, and then just, you know. Is the headline here, scientists don't understand emotions? Because I, I, I feel like when <laughs> that it's phrased be. that way, it's less surprising. That may. Might it be. hasn't been proved in a lab setting. How exactly are you going to run that experiment? I think the lab setting is the All planet. right, now it's time to execute your mother, and then we'll see how it goes from here. I think the lab of the planet Earth for 50 years in 40 languages around the world, I think that lab says that it's pretty accurate. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I know my my dad and my late mom actually uh, did a uh, led a class on grieving. They took it and then led it subsequently, and and it was uh, you know uh, the aspects of that are the people. Everybody goes through them. So yeah, it's it's good, interesting stuff. And, and just knowing what I'm going through is normal, and it's okay that I'm going through it seems to be really helpful for people. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. This is not weird. This I'm supposed to feel this way is a right. really good part of feeling bad. It's normal to feel this way. Get the podcast at armstrongandgetty.com if you ever miss anything. Armstrong and Getty.